The portion of God's word that you and I will focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts Be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen redeemer. Amen. So I don't know what it was like for you, but for me as a child, Advent was one of my favorite times of year. And looking back, I know it was not because I understood Advent. It was just the things connected with Advent. And it started with that. I loved it when I came to church and saw the Advent wreath set up in the front. And I think it was the countdown. It was the fact that every week it was getting closer and closer. And I I like the music. The the hymns of the Advent season, they're often minor in key and yet upbeat and uplifting. But it was about the countdown to Christmas. That's why I loved it. I think that's why a lot of kids love this time of year. It's It's a time to to count down the days, to count down the weeks. We're getting closer and closer to what is often the favorite time of year for for children and maybe for grown-ups too. You know, the the way that our American Christmas culture portrays itself, it's attractive. It's attractive to kids. It's attractive to to adults. The, The lights that light up neighborhoods on cold, dark winter evenings are are pretty to look at and fun to see on the way home from school and and work. It's fun to see the cars driving down the road with the tree on top, whether you got yours already or you're about to get yours, whether you long since, long gone are the days where you get the real ones or not. When you see that real tree on top of the car, it makes you think of the tree that's going to go up in your home or, or maybe is already there. The, the music on the radio, the, the, the music that you listen to, the stuff you used to listen to in the house when you were growing up as a kid or, or at grandma and grandpa's house, the movies on TV. It, it brings about a, a sense of nostalgia unlike pretty much any time of the year. And so here we are in this time of year that's very attractive to children and, and maybe to, to you and me as well. 
And yet if we were to look very closely at the things that American Christmas culture is all about, we might be a little disappointed as Christians because we realize it doesn't really prepare us to celebrate Christmas. And I'm going to pick on one classic. I hope it doesn't ruin it for you too much. But the 1946 Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life, I enjoyed it many times with my family. I, I still enjoy it. It's, it's a fun movie for entertainment's sake. I have great memories of eating fruitcake with my mom and dad that I didn't really like and drinking eggnog that I didn't really like, but I drank it because it was Christmas and we watched that movie and it was fun and I have good memories of it. But if you think about what that movie's about, it has nothing to do with Christmas. It's set during the Christmas season and we watch it during the Christmas season but it has nothing to do with God taking on flesh to, to rescue mankind. It, it has nothing to do with preparing our hearts for Christmas. This preparation season of Advent has nothing to do with warm, fuzzy, nostalgic s- seasons and feelings. It has nothing to do with cookies or trees or music or movies. It has everything to do with preparing for the arrival of a king who has already come, who's coming to you right now as we speak, and who will certainly come again. And if you think about that threefold concept of Christ's coming, it tells us something about his kingdom. Because if we're preparing to celebrate the arrival of a king who has already come, that means his kingdom is already here and we're living in it. The fact that he comes to us every single day means we're in his kingdom right now at this very moment. And the fact that he promises to come again hints at the fact that we would like to be in his kingdom in the future. So what's his kingdom like? When we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, what are we asking for? What are we asking God to come? As I already hinted, it is not the kind of season that observers of American Christmas culture would expect. It's not a kingdom of warmth and fuzziness to get you through cold days and long winter nights. That is not the purpose of Christ's kingdom. Christ's kingdom is a kingdom of forgiveness and it centers on the incarnation. And now you're thinking, okay, now we're starting to talk about real Christmas stuff. The baby Jesus lying in the manger, the actual accurate nativity, not the one with the wise men by the manger because they weren't there, but the one that actually depicts what happened that Christmas morning, the little baby Jesus, and even that picture brings warmth to our hearts. But preparing for Christmas and and the arrival of Christ's kingdom is, is more than preparing for a manger scene because the baby Jesus took on flesh and blood for a reason. This is where we run into trouble, even as faithful Christians who, who love to try to prepare for Christian properly. Oftentimes, we get caught up in the search for Christian warmth. And we love the, the picture of the baby Jesus, beautiful in the manger, but we want to ignore the gore of the cross. But we can't do that. We can't fall into the trap of thinking Christmas is all warm and fuzzy and that this beautiful manger scene that brings joy to the heart is all Christmas is about. Because the manger always 
always points to the cross. Christmas always points to the cross. Because God, the eternal God, the immortal God, took on flesh and blood for a reason. So that he could go to battle with sin. And he did that with his own flesh and blood on the cross. It was a battle that in the moment, Satan thought he had won. He thought he had killed the author of life. He had killed God in the flesh and had won a decisive victory and was about to set up his own kingdom on this earth. But he was wrong. Because it was the flesh and blood of the God-man that we first see in the manger, but then we see again, beaten and bloodied, a mother's nightmare, hanging on a cross where he poured out his blood to wash away the world's sin. That's where he established his kingdom once and for all, a kingdom of forgiveness. You see, as we prepare for Christmas, there's a reason that Christians for over a thousand years have used what you and I might view as a Palm Sunday reading. Because as we're about to prepare to celebrate the birth of the Christ child in an age where Christmas is more about warmth and nostalgia than anything else, it's good for us to be reminded that Christmas is the celebration of the arrival of a king who did not come to establish an earthly kingdom, but with his own flesh and blood, came to establish a kingdom of forgiveness. Listen again to the words of Zechariah the prophet in our gospel lesson for today. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The promised king is riding into Jerusalem and from Palm Sunday, maybe you remember why and to where. But you might not connect it to the words of the crowds that are praising him. Those famous words, blessed, are he, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, that is a verbatim quote from Psalm 118, where they sing, save us, Lord, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you know what it says right after that? It says, chop down trees and wave them in procession as we go up to the horns of the altar. I'm paraphrasing. But it talks about a procession with branches of a tree up to the horns of the altar. Now, isn't that interesting? Because this king, riding into Jerusalem, the one coming to save the world, the one that we rightly exclaim, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he was riding toward the altar of the cross, toward the place where he would shed his blood for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. Even the sins of preparing for Christmas the wrong way. Even the sins of finding comfort in things that don't last like music that makes you feel good or, or lights that brighten your day or memories of days gone by. Those things are nice and we can find them to be blessings. But they do us no good when Jesus comes again. They do you no good when Jesus returns to judge the world. 
You, you can't stand before the throne of God as the son of God returns and say, but I watched It's a Wonderful Life with my grandma every year. Or I made cookies with my mom faithfully. Or I drank the eggnog even though I didn't like it. That, that doesn't work. That's not what we're preparing for and that's not how we prepare. Christ came in flesh and blood. And yes, the manger scene brings joy to the heart as we see the Savior of the world born. But as we look at the manger this Christmas, let's not lose sight of the cross because he took on flesh and blood for the sake of the cross so that he could forgive you and me so that when he comes again, we can have real peace so that when we stand before the throne of God to be judged, we won't be afraid, but we'll be confident because Satan can try to accuse us all he wants. The sins that we've committed in this life have been washed away by the flesh and blood of the God-man. And Satan's accusations ring hollow. The verdict is not guilty. The Christ's resurrection from the dead proves it. There's nothing wrong with you liking Christmas. There's nothing wrong with you walking through these doors and setting up your Christmas tree with a smile on your face and listening to Bing Crosby or Frank Sinatra while you do it. And there's nothing wrong with the cookies and the eggnog and the nostalgia. Nothing at all. View them as blessings from your God. But this Christmas, find comfort in the flesh and blood of the God-man poured out for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. I look forward to gathering with you multiple times over the next few weeks. As Jesus comes to us in the very moments when we are in his word, pointing us back to his first coming so that we can have every confidence as we stand before him when he comes again. Lord's blessings to you as you prepare to celebrate Christmas once again this year. Amen.